Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Giants of the Faith podcast. I'm Robert Daniels and I'm the host of this show where we look at Christians that have done great work for the kingdom of God. In today's episode, we're continuing the faith march toward Billy Graham. In the last episode, we looked at Edward Kimball, the humble Sunday school teacher who led D.L. Moody to the Lord. And today we're going to focus on Moody himself. Moody was an American evangelist and publisher who founded the Moody Bible Institute, the Moody Church, and several other ministries that still impact millions of people today. Before Moody's story begins, I just want to let you know that he was involved in a lot, and I mean a lot, of projects, and I certainly didn't capture them all here. And as many of them overlap in terms of time, especially in and around the Civil War, it was a little difficult to form a direct narrative. So, ask for a little forbearance as you listen, and just understand there's more to Moody's life than I was able to present here. Okay, now that I've got my caveat out of the way, D.L. Moody was born on February 5th, 1837, in Northfield, Massachusetts. He was the seventh of nine children, born to Edwin and Betsy Moody. His father was a small farmer and a stonemason, who died when Dwight was only four years old, leaving his mother with nine children to raise by herself. His childhood was a poor one, and he and his siblings had to carry their socks and shoes to church to save the wear and tear on them. Therefore, Dwight had to work from an early age to help support his family, and he received very little formal education. He only attended school until the fifth grade, and he never learned proper grammar or spelling. He and a brother left home at about age 10 to go to work in another town. While this broke his mother's heart, the family had few options. Despite the hard times, Moody loved Northfield, and later in his life he often returned there to recuperate after completing missions work. When he was 17, Moody moved to Boston to work in his uncle's shoe store. His uncle required him to attend the Congregational Church of Mount Vernon, where he met Sunday school teacher Edward Kimball who I covered in detail in episode 64. Kimball was a faithful Christian who cared for his students, and he prayed for their salvation. He committed himself to taking a personal interest in the faith of each of his students individually, and so one day, he visited Dwight at the shoe store and shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ on a personal level. Dwight was deeply moved by Kimball's words, and he surrendered his life to Christ. Kimball later had this to say about Moody, I can truly say, and in saying it I magnify the infinite grace of God as bestowed upon him, that I have seen few persons whose minds were spiritually darker than his was when he came into my Sunday school class. And I think that the committee of the Mount Vernon Church seldom met an applicant for membership more unlikely ever to become a Christian of clear and decided views of gospel truth still less to fill any extended sphere of public usefulness. Moody would, of course, go on to exceed these low expectations. And God had great plans for Dwight Moody. He soon felt a strong desire to serve God and share his faith with others. He moved to Chicago in 1856, where he started his own successful shoe business, and he became involved in various Christian ministries. He had joined the Young Men's Christian Association, or YMCA, in 1854 back in Boston, and he became its president in 1861. This is when the C in YMCA meant something, before they became just another liberal social institution 
completely divorced from their roots. The YMCA was an important part of Moody's ministry. He used the YMCA as a platform to reach out to young men, especially during the Civil War, when he served as a chaplain and a missionary for the U.S. Christian Commission of the YMCA. The U.S. Christian Commission was an organization that furnished supplies, medical services, and religious literature to Union troops during the American Civil War. It was founded in 1861 by the National Committee of the YMCA in New York City, and it had more than 5,000 volunteers who served as chaplains, missionaries, nurses, teachers, and counselors. It also organized devotional meetings and prayer groups, Bible classes, and revival services for the soldiers and the civilians in and around the Civil War. They distributed more than $6 million worth of goods and supplies, including food, clothing, blankets, medicines, books, newspapers, and stationery. It also distributed more than 30 million pages of religious tracts and more than 1.5 million Bibles and New Testaments. In addition to his work with the U.S. Christian Commission, Moody also organized and hosted several conferences and conventions for the YMCA at his Northfield campus, where he invited prominent speakers and leaders to share their insights and experiences. And one of these conferences led to the genesis of the Student Volunteer Movement, which was a movement that mobilized thousands of college students to serve as missionaries around the world. Like I said, Moody saw the YMCA as a strategic partner in his vision to spread the gospel and train Christian workers. Apart from the YMCA, Moody's Saloon Sunday School was one of his first ministries in Chicago. He started it in 1858 in a rented saloon in the North Market Hall, where he taught the Bible to the poor and uneducated children of the city. He had a passion for reaching out to the neglected and forgotten souls, especially those who were not welcome in traditional churches. He used creative methods to attract and retain his students, such as offering them free meals, prizes, games, music, and even pony rides. He also visited them in their homes and workplaces and showed them genuine love and care. And when I was reading this, I couldn't help but think about how he must have thought of Edward Kimball as he invested in his own students. His Sunday school grew rapidly, and soon he had hundreds of students every week, and it had to be relocated multiple times to accommodate everyone. And it also led to the formation of his own church, the Illinois Street Church, which is now the Moody Church, in 1864, as parents of the children that he initially attracted became involved in the school. Now, the church burned down in the Great Chicago Fire, but it was rebuilt and it thrives today. In 1862, Moody married Emma Charlotte Revel, and they had three children, Emma, William, and Paul. Moody's wife was his great helper and supporter of his ministry. She helped him with his Sunday school, his church, and his evangelistic work. She also wrote several hymns and books. His sons would follow him in the family business as William became a lawyer and a pastor and wrote a biography of his father, and Paul became the president of the Moody Bible Institute after his father's death. During the Civil War, Moody served as a chaplain for the Union Army, and he ministered to thousands of soldiers in camps and hospitals. He also traveled across the country to hold revival meetings and evangelistic campaigns. He had a simple but powerful way of preaching that appealed to people from all walks of life. He used illustrations from everyday life, humor, 
anecdotes, and personal testimonies to convey biblical truths. And he had a great passion for souls and urged his listeners to repent and to believe in Christ. In 1867, Moody visited England for the first time and he met several prominent Christian leaders, such as Charles Spurgeon, George Mueller, and Henry Varley. And he was so impressed by their faith and devotion, and he learned from their example. He heard Varley say, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. And Moody took this as a personal challenge, and he resolved to dedicate himself more fully to God's service. Moody returned to England again in 1872, with his friend and music partner, Ira Sankey. Together, they held a series of revival meetings that shook the nation. Thousands of people attended their meetings, and many were converted. Moody's fame spread throughout Europe, and he was invited to speak in Scotland, Ireland, France, Germany, Switzerland, and several other countries. He also visited Palestine and Egypt during this time. Moody's ministry had a lasting impact on many people who later became influential Christians themselves. Some of them were C.T. Studd, Hudson Taylor, F.B. Meyer, R.A. Torrey, Wilbur Chapman, and Billy Sunday. You may not know many of these guys, but we'll surely hear more about them in some future episodes, Lord willing. In fact, I'll profile Wilbur Chapman and Billy Sunday in the next two episodes. Because of his evangelistic work, Moody inspired many people to support missions and evangelism all around the world. He returned to the United States in 1875 and continued his ministry with renewed zeal and power. He held revival meetings in major cities like New York, Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago, and San Francisco. And he also established several institutions and ministries that would carry on his vision and legacy. He founded the Northfield School for Girls and the Mount Hermon School for Boys in his hometown, and he also founded the Chicago Evangelization Society, later renamed the Moody Bible Institute, to train Christian workers for home and foreign missions. And he started Moody Church, like I mentioned, the Moody Coal Portage Association, and the Moody Monthly Magazine. Now, if you're like me, you have no idea what the word coal portage means, but it simply means the activity of selling or distributing religious tracts and books. And the Moody Coal Portage Association was founded by Moody in 1894 to publish and distribute inexpensive Christian books. His goal was to make evangelical reading materials available to everyone, including the poor and imprisoned. He had help from his brother-in-law, Fleming H. Revel, who was an established publisher. He published many books and pamphlets that contained his sermons, teachings, and testimonies, and he also published the works of other Christian authors, like Charles Spurgeon, Andrew Murray, George Mueller, and Hannah Whithall Smith. He also collaborated with Ira Sankey to produce several collections of hymns and gospel songs that became very popular and widely used. The association was formally incorporated in October 1899, And in 1941, the name changed to Moody Publishers, which is still active today as a nonprofit Christian publishing house that supports the Moody Bible Institute. Dwight L. Moody was a humble and generous man who did not seek fame or wealth for himself. He gave away most of his income to support various causes and ministries, and he also refused to accept any honorary degrees or titles from any institutions or organizations. The institutions that bear his name today 
were renamed in his honor after his death. Though he was personally very influential, he sought to promote Christ and his kingdom first. Amudi died on December 22, 1899 at the age of 62 after suffering from congestive heart failure. His last words on this earth were, Earth recedes, heaven opens before me. And he was buried in Northfield, Massachusetts, where his grave is still visited by many admirers today. Moody's life and ministry demonstrate what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. He was a man of faith, love, and action, who touched millions of lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was a giant of the faith who left behind a rich legacy for generations to come. Okay, so our next episode will focus on Wilbur Chapman, who I briefly mentioned earlier. Chapman was converted by Moody, and he's the next link in the chain of faith we're following from Edward Kimball to Billy Graham. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, God bless.